On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I had been in the Navy for eight years, got promoted to Chief Petty Officer, and a day after I was promoted, I was driving down Two Lane Highway and got hit by a car on a motorcycle. It crushed my lower left leg, and I spent the next 11 months going through seven different surgeries because my leg was completely demolished. I had a compound femur fracture. I had complete knee surgery, MCL, ACL, and then they... They had to actually, not to be graphic, but they actually had to chop my leg off twice. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. I've got Scott Audius. Probably, you know, didn't didn't quite roll the R properly on that last name, but welcome to the stage, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you glazing right over the name there and making me not feel bad for it. <laughs> That's um, close enough. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you being here. Tell us what kind of business that you're in. We're in the consulting business and kind of to walk backwards. We, we, we started out in the construction business. And when times got tough in 2007, 2008, for those of you old enough to remember that time, I kind of, you know, I couldn't beat the contractors that were bidding because they were bidding so low. So I started, I decided if you can't beat them, join them. So that's what I did. I started the consulting company and that's what we do. We do division one services, you know, providing schedules and plans and people like superintendents, quality control managers. We provide training and we provide security services too. So we really have four sections of the company. Wow. That's incredible. I love, you know, it, you kind of didn't give yourself a whole lot of credit there, but what I heard you say is that certain circumstances came, you analyzed the situation and you made a pivot, which is what we do in business constantly, right? Like doesn't matter if it's a good or a bad upturn or downturn, we're constantly looking to, to improve, to make it better whether it's a different business, a different offer, different people, different name, whatever we got to do, right? Well, and you know, that you, you remind me of a part of a, a CEO group called Vistage. I don't know if you're familiar with that or your listeners are, but, and part of Vistage, we had a speaker come in and he, he has a parable. He talks about a guy walking down the road and he has a horse and his horse dies and everybody walks by and say, oh, that's terrible. And then the guy had insurance on the horse. So you got a new horse and everybody said, that's great. And after every time that somebody said, that's terrible, that's great. he said, well, we'll see. And see, so you never know how it's all going to play out. So ultimately it's just, you do the best of what you have. And although some things that you feel that are the most difficult things, like what happened to me, 2007, 2008, where everybody else was getting, you know, we couldn't win a job and times were tough. It actually was meant for my, for our good. And, and. I track that back to you. You have to be able to look to the opportunities in the face of adversity, you know? So that's kind of the, that's the title of my first book that I wrote was, was it's just pick up your mat and walk a story of success through adversity. And that's really what, what 
that book is about. It's just talking about how adversity is a, a springboard for success. Yeah, it really is, especially if you have the mindset for that. Before we dive into, you know, some of the nitty gritty, I, I mean, obviously you got, you got, you've got a lot of up and down to be able to talk about here today, but at this stage, you're obviously running a very successful company. You've got four different divisions, if you will, of, of offerings. Why are you still, you know, hand to the plow, if you will? Why are you still pushing? What's the bigger picture for you? Well, the bigger picture, well, our vision for a company is we always say we're in the business of building the kingdom. And that's, which is contrary. Everyone says, well, aren't you a consulting company? And I said, yeah, but you got to understand mission and vision. People misinterpret these things. Mission is what you do. So, you know, our, our mission is really simple. We make our clients needs easy, you know, uh, but vision is why you do it. And I don't do it to make a living. I don't do it to, to, for any other reason than to help build God's kingdom. And, and that kind of goes back to my faith that was generated from the loss of my leg and the struggles I went through to prescription drug addiction and, you know, through various different, you know, tragedies that occurred in my life, how God has kind of stepped in and, 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 you know, carried me through those times. And I always say that I'm going to, I told God a long time ago, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing whatever you want me to do rather than what I want to do. And uh, he kept his end of the bargain and I'm trying to keep mine. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a good bargain to make. Let's just use that as a springboard to transition into a little bit of your story. Usually I ask kind of how people got started in business, but I would love, I'd love to know kind of even going back to that place where you said the issue with the leg and, and just some different things with, uh, with the medication addiction, like uh, give us some of that story. We'd love to know the backdrop. Okay. So I grew up in, and I want to go, to go back a little further because of the, there's a greater context, but I grew up in New Mexico, a small town, about 40 miles outside of New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, my parents were on a janitorial business. So I spent my entire childhood picking up trash and pushing the lawnmower, you know, not for my own house, but for other people. And, right. you know. My dad came to this country and he was a refugee from Cuba. He left her in the Bay of Pigs. And so my dad did his best. My dad and mom did their best to make sure they provided for five kids that they had. And, but time for club, we grew up and my parents did the best they could for us, but we grew up in poverty. And the funny thing is, is when you grow up in poverty, you don't know you're growing up in poverty that you get older. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I had no context at that time, you know, like I was in poverty, but then so when I was 18, my, my senior year of high school, um, I saw my brother come back home. He was in the Navy. I saw him come back home with a new car or truck every six months. So I thought there's gotta be something there, you know? And then I had a lot of difficult situations. So I decided not because I was a bad student, I just decided that I was 18 and I knew better. So I dropped out of high school and joined the Navy. And then the Navy taught me basically a lot of the lessons like keeping your word, doing the right thing, those type of things. And ultimately about eight years, I always tell people my, my life is kind of like how you see in the movies where things are going great and everything's going well. And all of a sudden tragedy happens. And that's exactly what happened. I had been in Navy for eight years, got promoted to chief petty officer. And a day after I was promoted, I was driving down two lane highway and got hit by a car on a motorcycle. And uh, it uh, crushed the, crushed my left, my lower left leg. And uh, I spent the next 11 months going through seven different surgeries, 
because my leg was completely demolished. I had a compound femur fracture. I had complete knee surgery, MCL, ACL. And then they, they had to actually, not to be graphic, but they actually had to chop my leg off twice. And so I spent that time, that 11 months recovering. And, and now it was a month from my medical review board in the Navy because there was only a few other people that had ever returned back to active duty in Navy after going through an incident like I had, a loss of a limb. One of them happened to be Carl Brashear from the movie Man of Honor. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen that movie. It's with yeah. Cuban Goody Jr. and De Niro. And yeah. so Carl, Car- Carl was one of the first. And so he became a friend of mine. One of my friends put me in contact with him and he, him and Senator Trent Lott, we used to read for the Senate congressional inquiry to ask the Navy, well, why don't you want to keep this guy? And eventually about 30 days from going to my medical review board, they returned me to active duty and they sent me to Iraq. So beware of what you wish for. So, yeah, wow. Uh, what so I spent the rest of my time there. So I spent, I spent another three years there and I fell through my erectile platform, busted my leg up pretty good, met the van back to the U.S. and then I retired from the service. So that led me in the civilian world, built embassies, did the construction kind of along. I had a security clearance for me and I Camp David. And uh, so after I did embassies, I ended up in Kentucky. When it was all said and done, and I decided I wanted to do my own thing. And that's, that was right around the time frame at 2007 time frame. And what it, I thought, this is a great idea. And then all of a sudden I did my own thing and the economy sank in. So (laughs) my first year was good, but the second year wasn't so, so. That's right. That kind of led me to where I'm at now. Yeah. There's so much, you know, back and forth. Yeah. I mean, first off, thank you for your service. I got to say that. And then to have, I mean, you just, you just experienced life in such intensity that most people never will. Let's just be honest. But what do you think that, you know, losing the limb or persevering past that and being able to go back to active duty, what do you, what's like the one takeaway from that, that you've been able to apply not only in life, but, but in business? Well, I think for, for me, my kind of goes back to my faith more than, more than anything is that you can't, you can't ever do anything by yourself, you know? And I leaned a lot on God during, uh, my surgeries and my prescription drug addiction and all the other tragedies. My wife also came down with breast cancer wow. and through all those different circumstances, I've been able to lean on God and I can't tell you how much that has allowed me to persevere and, and look at this in, in, in the way that God intended. And, the, and for me, the way that God intended was I'm leaving you here for a reason. This is happening for a reason. You need to go through life and do the best with what you were given. So I used to think when people call people special, you know, that had a negative connotation. But the truth of the matter is there is something special about people that go through circumstances like I have gone through because it tests your grit. You know, it tests who you are. And now when I go through difficult things, I always say it's, it's a matter of, 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 of perception, you know, I, because I've had those experiences under my belt. I mean, you, you can't do too much to me that hasn't been done. <laughs> you know, I mean, whether it's, whether, cause I relate difficult situations back to, you know, 
having to deal with the agonizing pain of going through physical therapy for a year, you know, right. or right. going through the, the mental turmoil of, of drug addiction, you know? And once you go, once you walk through the fire like that, it's tough to, I always say it's tough to scare somebody when you walk through fire like that. Yeah. And yeah. And losing everything I have monetarily is not a big deal to me compared to other people. And I'm willing to take those risks because I, I walk through fire. I know how it feels and I'm not scared, you know? And I guess that more than anything, that's what I would say that, that, you know, and I, I gave you a long answer for a very short question. No, no, it's good. I mean, I think that it's the mindset, right? It's it, I mean, you, you, and you gave mindset in a couple of different ways. It's that, that you do have what it takes, but in the same fashion, you know, leaning upon a greater power in this case, the Lord was good in showing you all the things that he was doing through the circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that there's, there's a lot of mindset there that can be taken away. I think that guy listening today, gal listening today, who's got a little struggle in their business, maybe a little struggle in the marriage, a little struggle in whatever in life they can compare, just like you did that, man, I didn't lose a limb or I'm not having to go through physical therapy or, and it doesn't mean that they have to play the comparison game, but when you have the perspective change, like you just said, mm -hmm you realize that there's just so many more things that are possible or even for your good. And so I just think it's just a, such a great, a great place to be mentally. Well, what's, what's amazing is like the thing, the probably the biggest tragedies you have in life are the things that ultimately define who you are, That's you right. know? And, uh, and, and it's what you do with what you are given is what is the key. And people are like, well, this happened to me and that happened to me. Well, you can look at it like that, or you can say, this happened, but this is what I did with it. I chose to do the, uh, to me, it was a logical thing. You know, I've always kind of been a, a kind of a little bit of an optimist, but he really I, defined I'd say, I'd say I agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helped define who I was. And it, you know, it's, it's tough. I always people ask me, what is the single most difficult thing you ever gone through? You know? And I was like, really that the drug addiction. I tell you what, that right there going through, I was, I was an Oxycontin for almost a year and it took me three weeks to detox and it was the most anguishing experience I've ever had. I try to, people say, well, related to me. And I say, imagine having the flu, but like a thousand times worse for weeks on then, you know, and not feeling normal. You know, when people say, well, I want to do drugs to feel normal. That's true. Because your body gets to a point where it needs the drugs to feel normal. And uh, it was a it was a, a horrific experience going through it. In hindsight, it it gave me so much perspective on life and what's important on and empathy for the yeah. people that have gone through the same thing. And uh, we're all flawed people. You know, I mean, we're all flawed. So in one way or the other, and I, I'd have less sympathy for those, for people who are flawed in the past. And it gave me much more empathy for what people go through, because I think that's some of the, some of the, the most courageous, most inspirational people are not the people who live a picture perfect life. These are the people that have gone through very difficult circumstances in life and come out the other side better off. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's a maturity that helps us realize that too. Even looking at my own circumstances, being raised by a single mom, 
having all kinds of stats against me in business or just for success. I think that I've always received that as the very reason why I should. And so I, I, I agree with you. Let's, let's go into some, some more practical or even things that you've done good or bad, but I want to know a good decision that you made along the way in building your business or businesses that, uh, that really has enabled you to, to be in a good position. What, what can we learn from you? Well, you know, that, that's a, a good decision I made. I, I'd have to say more than anything, and I thought a lot about this or, you know, I've contemplated on this. I'd probably say the best decision I ever made was to take a risk and not look back, you know, um, if you, you know, they surveyed 100 year old people and they asked them if you could change anything about your life, what would it be? And the first thing is spend more time with the family. But the second one was the thing that stands out to me and it's taking more risk. And I've always, my father-in-law told me this story and I looked it up and there's a lot of truth to that. I, and, and I think about that every day because we have this terrible thing called comfort, you know, right. and I always say, you know, God's more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And I, so I get nervous when I get my comfort zone a little bit because, yeah. you know, you get to a point where you drive the car you want, you have the money to, you don't think about money in, in, in the same way as you did when you were younger, when you didn't have money. Right. And then all of a sudden that comfort, you get scared of taking risks. And I always tell people, and I firmly believe this, is that I had nothing to begin with. If I end with nothing, at least it was a good ride. I like car. I like, there's some things that I like. I like cars. I'm a car guy. I'm a motorcycle guy. But in the end, that stuff really doesn't matter. And risking it is in, in making your life worth living. Yeah. We had a, a guest pastor came in and he says that everybody lives the life. And I remember who the author of this, this, this pastor came in and he wrote a book, but he said, Everybody lives this bubble dream, you know, where they grow up their entire life with this dream to, to own something like a Volvo, you know, <laughs> and then ultimately they realize that's going to rust. It's going to fall apart. It's just going to be used. And ultimately it means really nothing, you know? Yeah. So what really counts? Is it really how much money you have in a bank? Is it how much money you have when you die? I don't think that, I don't think it is that. I mean, for me, it's about what have you done with what God has given you on the earth. And, and that's what I try to do every day. And that's one of the reasons I'm turning my company into an employee owned company after in another seven years is because I want to make the people that are part of my work family have something more than what they walked in the door with and not yeah. just a paycheck. So, yeah, I love that perspective. And so the, the takeaway here I'm taking from you is, or I'm, that I'm hearing from you is take risks. Don't, don't, it, it, not to say that it doesn't matter anyway, but kind of to your, you know, Hey, if I, if I end, if I end with nothing or I end with it all, as long as the ride getting there was, was fun and worth it. And I think that, that can be, that can be divided up right into yeah, yeah. different, different people's ways of what's, what fun is. Can you give us an example in one of your businesses where maybe you were teetering or maybe you knew it was a big risk, but you did it anyway and it paid off? Give us an example of this. Well, I, I'll just tell you from the beginning, from the start. So I switched over from construction company to consulting company. So I had done business development, sending emails, making phone calls, doing marketing for nine months and it didn't win anything. 
And I was about, I was on the verge of quitting. I was as close to quitting as you possibly can get because my business model doesn't re didn't really exist because it's something a lot of companies do in house. Sure. So, but I saw a potential there. And, but I hung with it and I kept my nose to the, to the grindstone. And then I got my first contract. My first contract was for $7,000. And I remember it took me, I worked night and day for a week, got it all completed and sent it off. And then me and my wife went to dinner uh, shortly after I got it all done. And I said, you know, there's something to this, you know? And ever since that moment, it's just, picked, you know, it picked up. So having the faith that it's going to work out was a tough one. I've taken that risk. And most, and most recently, you know, one of the risks that, that we have just taken is to, you know, we're looking at acquisitions of companies, acquisitions of some property. And one of the biggest ones is acquiring and outsourcing of some of uh, the sales and marketing we do because there was a lot of risks there because people think, you know, sales and marketing is something you take near and dear and that's near and dear to me. And I don't want to give that up, but I realized to grow, you're going to have to make some concessions there. And so I parted with my profits for half of this year. Basically, you know, we're looking in order to grow, we have to have some work to, you know, you have technology to be able to help us grow. And yeah. we've recognized from a marketing perspective, that's where we've been weak. And as much as it's great to talk with the individual face-to-face, -face, artificial intelligence is changing the world we live in. And we don't have that capacity in-house. So I'm good at doing plans and schedules and provide people and doing security. I'm not a marketing guy, you know? Yeah. So, 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 you know, you gotta be, so I took the risk and that's not just monetarily, but looking at restructuring some of my company to be able to make that. And so that's what it is. And it's easy for me just to probably just to put me on cruise control and just write out the remaining time I have here. But anybody who knows who's done this or built a company, I mean, my company was nothing. My, the market I was in didn't exist. Anybody who's, who's made something of nothing will tell you that you can't turn it off. Yeah. You know, that's not how God hardwired me. God hardwired me to do something more. So if I'm not getting up every day and building something, then I'm not doing what he intended for me to do. So yeah, that's why I continue to do it. I love it, man. You're speaking my language. Some of the very things that I say about about who I am, about my my identity and who who God sees me as as well. But okay, so you've given us you've given us the the taking risks as a good choice. Give us a bad decision that you made along the way, man. Give us give us something oh, to stay away from. Uh, let me give you a hundred of them. But uh, you know what? Embracing probably. I have made a lot of bad decisions. Some monetarily. Some have been with people wise. I think people the people wise has been the tough one for me because I consider myself a people person. Sure. And when I make a bad hire and I, I've made a few of those, I always tell people, you know, I, you know, I'm known to make good hires, but I've made those bad hires. I've made, you know, I've had, I brought people in. I, I thought, you know, what they said was what they meant because that's who I am. Yeah. But I, I realized that my, I projected my values on them and reality wasn't that they didn't hold the same values. And that I was agree. very hurtful, you know, I think it was hurtful because I think it's not a business to me. This is who I am. You know, right. this is what we do. And this is what I do every day. When actually every morning I wake up, this is what I think about every night when I go to sleep, this is what I think about. 
And then on Saturday, when I'm out doing one of my projects, this is exactly what I think about during that time. It, it doesn't leave me. So it's tough for me not to take it personal. But uh, so I, I didn't say hires is probably, I've made a lot of bad hires. I shouldn't say a lot. I've made a couple bad hires. Yeah, um, they made a big impact, I'm have, sure. <laughs> yeah, and even in an organization where, you know, when you're when you're growing, you make a bad hire, that can really affect you tremendously. But I also know that part of the growth experience is going through and making those mistakes because if you don't make any mistakes, then you're not doing you're doing something wrong. Right. Because so what you're saying are, is that you didn't get you didn't get nervous about continuing to hire the next person. You you hired another person after you made the mistake? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Actually, I hired two people. I'm the I'm the <laughs> kind of person that that when something bad like that happens, or when something I shouldn't say bad, consult perception or what it when something challenging right. like that occurs, I double down. Yeah. So if I have somebody leave my company that was really good, I go find somebody who's better than they were. Yeah. And 100%. then I hire two of those people. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's that's that, that's just me. That's just my DNA. I love. That. I believe in what we do. I believe in who we are, and I believe that God is going to give me the tools to do what what I need to to get done. So that's cool. I appreciate the perspective. What what discipline or maybe even process do you have around making decisions nowadays? Well, you know, I we follow the EOS, EOS model, and if people are not familiar with that, as an entrepreneur operating systems which kind of simplifies a lot of things. Yeah. But simple disciplines like, you know, we don't, we, we have not just big goals, but we have granular goals, which means that everybody, when they walk in the door, understands what they need to do in order to be successful. Everybody from, you know, the administrative assistant or, or, you know, or, 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 or intern accounting accountant, they all understand what they need to do to make, to be successful. And that became huge during the pandemic because people were not in the offices. So you needed to be clear what the expectations were. And so that I had to say more than anything is, is using some of those principles at EOS, like, you know, having a good vision, having a good mission and having that trickle down to granular metrics. Because as I learned when I lost my leg, and one of the good lessons I learned is that you can't expect to walk the first day. Right. But you can expect to take a step and then tomorrow take two steps. So it's understanding the process and embracing the process because everybody wants the end product, but it's the process that really matters. And if you, and, and my son, as my, both my sons do, do, do jujitsu and one, you know, my sons always say that you got to love the process. And that is so true. You yeah. know, the end goal is just the side benefit. The process is really where it's at. And if you can love the process, chances are you're doing what you really love to do and yeah. what God intended you to do. Yeah, no, I, I, you're hundred percent right. I love the, the process, obviously tactically the EOS program, and then more so, uh, you know, mindset wise, you're, whether you realize it or not, you're a huge mindset guy. You always come back to the mindset, the perception. The reality of, hey, look, this is what I'm learning through this. So I, I just think it's just so important that the listener understands. Like, I'm just, you're, I just see you oozing with this, just like stability of of mindset. And obviously, you've been through, you know, some some things that most of us won't. So it's a huge advantage. But but everybody goes through moments that we can pick and choose. And I think that you're just 
you know, I, just, well, I think it comes so you know, natural to you now. To, <laughs> I, I equated to like one of the things that I have done after I lost my leg, I, I ran a series of races for the Wounded Warrior Project. I ran a couple of half marathons and those type of things. And one of the things I use as a training tool, which I think is so valuable in, in anything you do, is that, you know, I they always tell you to run outside, but also run a treadmill. And I did a lot of treadmill running for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is, is that when you run six miles, you have to run six miles back. You don't have much of a choice, right? But when you're on a treadmill and you run six miles, you can push the button and stop. Now, the mental toughness it takes to not push the button is what's key in business and what's key in life. Uh-huh. Is that mental toughness to push through the difficult, the the physical and the mental turmoil that you're going to go through and push beyond that. And that has played out so many times in my life. And we talk about mentality, you know, that hard nosed mentality of, listen, I'm going to push through those difficult times. And that's where people, that's where most people don't get it. And that's where I think that separates the people who ultimately run a successful business and people who don't. And there are people, and not that there's anything wrong with being an employee. There's a lot of good employees out there. There's a lot of people who are meant to be employees, but the people who are meant to be entrepreneurs and the people who are meant to be donors are those people who are not going to be the ones that are, are, are wanting to push the button when times get tough, when things get uncomfortable. And, uh, and I, and, and if you, I always tell people, if you don't believe me, go jog six miles on a treadmill, see if you want to push the button. Yeah, no, what then? That's the, that's the, that's the difference that I was just taken away from. I was just like soaking in that as you were talking it, the, it's not, it's not, not pressing the butt. It, it, that is part of it. Yes. But it's not pressing it knowing that you can. Yes. And still not pressing it. <laughs> and then you want to talk about being, you know, and I'm in the industry that's tough because we're at construction. I, I was also in the Navy. So, you know, I've been around a lot of, tough, hard-nosed kind of people. And, it, it, you know, it takes that grit and that tenacity. And I worry sometimes about my kids related to that because I'm wondering, do they have the grit and tenacity? And they have, in a lot of ways, they prove me they do, you know? But, uh, but I, I worry about that with a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people who are younger than me because, you know, your dream is to... to to help your kids be raised and give them things you didn't have. But what you, what you realize when you get there is that you don't want that for your kids. You want your kids to want to have that desire. Um, right. And my kids actually have impressed me. They don't have the need based on because mom and dad have helped them, but they don't want to follow my path. They don't want to follow my footsteps. And actually, it's a huge point of contention. One of my youngest daughters fought me for years over paying for college. She wants to pay for college. She wants to know that she did it on her own. And I'm like, well, I have the means. And she goes, well, you don't get it. That's, I want to do it on my own. And then I got it when she said, like you did it on your own. And I thought about that and I said, you know, she's right. You know, so what am I trying to do? I'm trying to protect them from the big bad world when in reality, I need to let them go into the big bad world and face it, learning the lessons I've taught them. Yeah, so. I think that's so, so true. And, and that same, same mentality can be taken into our teams as well. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs try to do a lot for their team. It's what keeps them small. 
they're perfectionists. They're, they're never going to give over the reins because of this exact same thing. They're trying to protect even their people. So I love all of that. Let's go to the speed round here. My first question in the speed round is I want to know if you could dwindle the whole business down into one trackable metric. If you could only pick one metric to choose forever and ever, what would it be? Retained earnings. That's a great metric. I love it. Why? Because it really shows what value you're leaving in your company if it's viable. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me just real quick here, because I get a lot of, I get a lot of folks that say a lot of different things. For you, why retained earnings over cash flow or, or EBITDA, net profit? Because return, return, especially related to, you know, selling the business is you, I need cash. Well, we all need cash to run our business, right? And my business, unfortunately, is a huge, it's a cash consumer, you know? It's not a cash cow, it's a cash eater, you know? So <laughs> it's, it eats a lot of cash. I mean, we have 130 some odd folks, you know, you can imagine yeah. the kind of cash it takes to pay all those people. But in the end, how much you're keeping in the company shows a lot about who you are discipline-wise as an owner, also about what your future growth. I mean, we grew from 7,000, we're creeping up on 20 million this year. You know, I mean, that's, you don't get there overnight and you don't get there by putting money away and, and retaining some money because that plays in a lot of things, like your ability to get money when right. you need money, you know, the ability to sell the money, even is great, but if, if you don't have any money, you don't have any retained owners in the business and you think you're going to take everything with you, the business won't survive with, you know? So, so that's why I say retainers is important. Love it. Okay. What book would you recommend for a six figure business owner trying to, trying to get beyond their current stuck situation? A book in it, and this is a great book. It's, it's written by an FBA, FBI author, former FBI head interrogator called Never Split the Difference. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but fantastic. it is a, it is a fantastic book. And I, I always tell people just to get them to buy, to buy the book and read it. I tell them, I tell them the very beginning intro story. The first, he was the, the head Hodgson negotiator. A guy walked out of his house, shot his mother and father, walked down the street, walked into a bank and then held everybody hostage in the bank. So he came on scene as a hostage negotiator to negotiate this guy out. And so he was focused on, well, what do I need to give this guy for him to get out? Well, he let one of the hostages go. And as the hostage walked out the door, he shot the hostage. And then he stood in front of the window and allowed the, the SWAT team to kill him, to shoot him. He death by cop. And that was the first time suicide by cop ever occurred. And it was kind of an unknown thing. And it, you know, it come, his, the company he owns is called Black Swan. And it was a Black Swan because it never occurred before. And as a business owner, you know, it makes you really think about what you do every day, what are the black swans out there? What are some of the issues, how people think may not be the way you think. And it's just a great, great book. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I, from a negotiation standpoint, I had already read the book. I was in the process of trying to buy my first piece of small or multifamily. And, and so I, I hurried up quick and listened to the book again. And then mm -hmm. I go into the negotiations and I bought my, bought my first multifamily deal with almost word for word negotiation skills from that book. <laughs> it was I, awesome I love many the years way, ago. <laughs> I, I love the way he dials in all his stories because it's, that's really where it's at. And it's a, it's a great yeah. book. 
It is. It is. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? I'm a, I'm a lunch guy and I network because I love lunch. And well, I do. I, I think we all love food to a certain degree, but there's yeah. something about breaking bread with people yeah. that kind of lowers their guard a little bit, allows you to speak openly and get to know people. One of the, one of my past claims of fame is I was claims of fame was I was with crew of the year for the Navy and networking is really what it's all about. Understanding, filling your funnel full of people. So I have lunch at least once or twice a week with somebody. And the lunch is more about learning to, because we're, we're all, no matter what we do, we're in a people business. No matter if you sell product, sell service, so, you know, we're in a people business. So having those personal connections is so, it's so vitally important. And I think we sometimes short sell those things because we say things like artificial intelligence, for example, is the solution to everything. Well, there's a lot to be said for having a conversation with somebody and knowing how many kids they have, what their background is. Because when you're in trouble, that's when you need those people. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I can tell you, you know, that when I've been in trouble, it's been nice to lean on those people. And then you can come with a value added proposition later to them. But I don't walk into those networking events with the intent of selling something there. It's a yeah. process. It's getting to know that. 100%. Yeah, you got to, you got to, well, and especially in today's market, people, buyers are just more intelligent. And so mm -hmm. whoever you're dealing with, whether it's a, someone who's literally buying or, or just a relationship that could lead to business, but it, it's got to be value first for sure. Okay. Inside the business, I got an operations question for you. If you only had one hour each week, Scott, to work in the business, what are you doing in that one hour or how are you using that one hour to successfully run your business? My, my one hour, because I spend 90% of my time working outside the business, so about 10% of time working in the business. And my 10% of time in the business is developing and holding my senior staff. We call them senior C's because, you know, C-level are yes. senior C's accountable for their job, you know? Yeah. And, it, it, and it's not just about holding them accountable. It's also about training them and, and, and preparing them for the future. I've had this plan of me exiting so, for so long. I always talk to them about, well, when I'm gone, this is what you need to know and how you need to grow. And, and my right. CFO is a great example of that. He, he, came out, he came to our company, Trailer College, my wife was a CFO before him. My wife left to pursue other adventures and leave me with the business. So made made being married much easier. You know, but but <laughs> but he has grown from a college graduate to be. I always tell everybody I had him as a fifteen fifteen dollar an hour employee, you know, and now he's the chief financial officer, and he is a very. He, uh, I can't even tell you how, how sharp he is, but he's one of those people that only need to be told once about something and he, he has it. So, so I did say my 10% of the time I'm working on the business really has to do with working with people. My three reports that report directly to me and helping yep. them do their job. Yep. I love, I love the breakdown and even just the ability to mentor and coach, as you said, it's a, it's a huge reality. Last question here for you, Scott. If you lost it all, what would you do? Uh, I would wake up tomorrow and I start building something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would. Uh, I, 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 
I thought about that. I would, I would first, cause there are people that do that. You know, you look at people in history that have basically, I wouldn't say Steve Jobs lost it all cause he walked away with like 20 some million dollars, you know, but he was humiliated by Apple by yeah. firing him. You can't take, you know, you can't take the entrepreneur out of the business and not expect him to go do something different. I mean, he's going to do something different. And that's me. I would, I would take an inventory of all my skills and I would align it with a new event, new venture to head down that road. And I would start, actually, I wouldn't even wake up the next day. I would start immediately. Yeah, exactly. I, I relate to that. All the things that you've mentioned about being a builder and you know, who the Lord's designed you to be. I, I figured that would be your response, but wanted to hear it in your words. So I love that perspective. Scott, how can, how can a listener today reach out to you? How can they, they reach your company? How can they find you? How can they connect further? Well, I, you know, I have, I have a LinkedIn account. You just look up Scott Arias, that's A-R-I-S, you know, or you can go to my website, ace-consulting, little hyphen between, I'd say dash, but hyphen, consulting.net. You check it out there. I'm not really a social media guy, except LinkedIn, just because my personal opinion is, is that social media is, is, is <laughs> can be very negative in what things. Oh, yeah. And consume yeah. lots of your time, you know? So I thought That's Facebook right. was great until I spent a lot of time on it and I couldn't. <laughs> but, but, but I, LinkedIn is, is, is definitely probably one if you ever want to, it has all my contact information. You guys reach out to me. And if okay. you, you know, and on another another one, I I've written I've written several different books. Two of them I wrote by myself. One of them was "Pick Up Your Mat and Walk." It's on Amazon. And the second one I just released. It's called "A Formula for Success." I just released this year. Good book if you're looking to give some kind of plan to your team or 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 somebody you care about about how to make their life worth living and yeah. how to tangibly make it. There's a lot of books out there that do it, but they don't tell you the steps to take it it's a good guide. Yeah. So yeah, those, that's great. We'll, we'll list the links in the show notes below for the listeners to be able to grab those as well. I know I'm going to grab them both. And I think that just what has happened today is super special. Obviously you, you run an incredible business. You got an incredible team for you to take the time that you did today was pretty special. So thank you for that. We wish you nothing but and I had to greatness. Say, I had to say you have, you have the best looking beard of any person I've ever seen. Yes, so. I mean, you know, yeah, you, you I, work on that beard, don't you? You, I, you know, it takes a beard. lot of work. <laughs> you know, all the I time. To grow, I, I, I can't grow a beard, but it'd be I can't put time into social media because I'm, I'm, I'm working on the beard. I will. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody has, has their joys. Yours, your beard, you know, so I mean. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a guy earlier today and, and he was talking about, it looks like a little snap on. Like if I could snap it off you and put it on me, that'd be. That'd be fantastic. I'm like, well, well, well you can put a, if you put a set of uh, sunglasses on, you could literally look like the logo for No Shaved Life. Right. I, you, you know, I, I think maybe they should sponsor the show, you know? Exactly. I guess they were a lot better, but I think they need to. That's hilarious. Oh, we'll have to send them a clip of, of this part of the show and say, hey, look, you got, you got somebody who thinks. But in, in, in all seriousness. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, man, the beard is good, but you today were better. And so we, <laughs> we appreciate that. And, and of course I, I, I just love just from a, um, a personal perspective. I don't, I don't do this a bunch, but 
I appreciated your perspective of, of the identity that the Lord's given you as the builder and for you just to press into that and obviously pressing other people in that direction as well. I appreciate that and, and I receive it. So thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.